Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Scotty coming to you live from North Carolina. And what a blessing it is to have each and every one of you on joining with us today as we stand praying on the wall for the office of the president. And today we want to focus on letting the joy of the Lord be our strength in this season. And, and maybe it's a season of, of strength for you or weakness. Um, whatever the situation may be, is, is to allow ourselves to be humble enough uh, to let God prune us to be able to bear His fruit and dis- discipline us wherever we may need to be. And today in Scripture, I want to focus on the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19 after he has his uh, little uh, dispute, to say the least, with the prophets of Baal. And it's a moment of weakness for him, of weariness, um, that he has after coming out of this. And I want to pull this up on the screen because it really points to even someone who who is seeing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that sometimes gets weak or more so gets weary uh, in the battle, in anything. And, And sometimes there's times to be refreshed. And so just want to remind that as we're talking about restoring that covenant blessing and being able to enter into the throne room of our journey here. And so we see in 1 Kings 19, this is in, it's right after the battle with the prophets of Baal, per se. And it says here that um, now Ahab told Jezebel that all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now, so he's obviously running for a reason. <laughs> his life is in danger. Uh, but then it says, and he was not afraid, and arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there, but he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. He lay down and slept under the juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel. And this is, this is a, a point for us to learn from here, is that as he was being touched by this angel, the angel said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and drank and went into the strength of that food. Forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount, mountain of God. And then it goes to what happens there about who to pass on his covenant blessings to, his mantle, uh, to Elisha, 
what would happen then next in the journey. And the prayer point here Chuck has is, he says, do not let weariness make you run. When words come to us in the midst of our spent emotional seasons, we can react wrongly. He says, stop and let the Lord rebuild your strength, and ultimately that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he also tags on Nehemiah 8 in reference to this when the Israelites are hearing uh, for the first time in a while the law of the Lord being read to them. And they get weary, they get weak because they're realizing the error of their ways. But that, that wasn't the point of the story. The point of the story was just to remind them, number one, to hear it, to be refreshed. And then they go into um, Sukkot, the season of booths. And, and as we're getting ready to enter into those feasts and, and the head of the year coming up here in a couple of weeks. And so we we see these examples where, you know, and, and look, we're humans. We're all going to tend to be this way. And I think seeing even Elijah himself um, have these seasons of weariness um, and, and letting them sometimes get to him, as we see here a little bit, and letting the Lord refresh him is a, is a great example. Even David, you know, went through this. Pretty, most of the Psalms are uh, David rambling on about certain things. And so we want to um, be mindful and be aware and remind ourselves if with what's ever going on um, in this journey of life or um, this prayer journey that we are on of praying for the office of the president, that the Lord can, can be our strength and is our strength in these battles that we are in. Now, in the news, um, we yesterday come out of the 21st anniversary of the unfortunate events of 9-11 in New York City and uh, the rest of the country that took place uh, with the innocent loss of lives uh, with the unfortunate uh, of an attack out what seems like out of nowhere um, but we we and, and a lot of people are talking about this and I think putting it in the proper perspective of we can't forget that uh, of what what's really up against obviously that was a natural manifestation of a spiritual battle unfortunately and those things are spiritually still occurring today you know the enemy comes to kill still and destroy the the basics of you know what you're taught in Sunday school and yes that's true but it's also of the simpleness of trying to attack the foundations of the United States that we are founded upon and, and this is why we want to stand praying for the office of the president so that um, acts of such as these hopefully don't happen again that maybe the lord can warn us to be able to prevent that and and i think we've told the story before about how there's been um, in the past under certain other presidents after this occurred that there was an open communication to certain people uh, within the administration that if there was a prophetic word about something that would happen to you know run it up the uh, up the chain of command and there was an old little grandma i think in arkansas 
that had a prophetic dream. She was known to be very accurate from prophetic circles, and it got ran up the chain, and they ended up finding uh, someone who's going to get on a flight in France because she knew the flight number, the flight number, the seat the person was in, um, and they were able to catch him. And, and so I say that to say is that don't think that you yourself, if God doesn't give you something, and it's it's true, you know, send us the dream, send us anything um, positive, whatever whatever it may be, you feel like it attains um, pertains to uh, things that are dealing with the office of the president of this nation that might need to be run up um, somewhere. And there's even stories that Paul Keane has about people who in past charismatic and holiness movements who had relationships with presidents who were very accurate about certain issues, um, especially during World War II, Dwight Eisenhower had a relationship. I forget the gentleman's name, um, but Paul Kane talks about a prophetic gentleman um, that it was known, it is now known publicly that um, Eisenhower went to go see on a handful of occasions uh, privately to hear about what he was seeing and, and his relationship with the Lord and helped guide Eisenhower through some situations. And, and kind of piggybacking off of this, remembering 9-11 and those who lost their lives, uh, unfortunately, is the issue out of Iran and the United States, EU, about the negotiations going on with the Iran nuclear deal. And the IAEA head is coming out and saying some pretty poignant things about what's happening there and really showing um, an objective mindset as they're going through these negotiations to really, hey, to look at it and say, look, there and we've talked about it here before, about how we've found these particles of uranium that should not exist, and we're not allowed to investigate. Why is that? And Iran is pointing, pushing back and saying, well, you're being politicized. You don't want this deal to happen, blah, blah, blah. And he goes forward. Um, the director general, Rafael Grassi, goes forward and, and just says, look, how can this be political? He says, um, at the end of the day, with the camera, the twenty around twenty seven cameras that are still shut off by Tehran, Iran, Iran, um, since June, that the information gap is getting wider and wider, and it's going to be extremely difficult for his agency to restore um, and really gain the knowledge that's been lost since June. Um, as these negotiations have can continue to go on, and at the end end of the day is. This is a key component that Iran is trying to push out of this deal, these investigations, and really make sure that they're not contingent, like the finding the results of these investigations are not contingent upon getting back into this deal. Um, that was in their final final wording, and the Grassi's direct statement was, he says, this, is it, this issue is very straightforward. We have found traces of uranium that were never declared, that were in places that were never supposed to have nuclear activity. We are asking questions. Explain to me how this is political. And these are coming off the back of statements from Iran in not just attacks on the IEA, but also um, as part of a recent speech, they came out... The, the president came out of Iran and said 
uh, they didn't like how Israel and U.S. Uh, Central Communications Command were negotiating and, and, and more so discussing and, and building a relationship there uh, because that means Israel and the U.S. will have more knowledge and be able to really understand the key points of where funding and nuclear arms and weapons are going out of Iran Where now that we know that there are possible drones that can be used from and operated from Tehran over to attack Israel, uh, which will be very alarming. And, and as you're seeing what's, what's happening in Ukraine, uh, Russian forces kind of somewhat pull back, but then attack electric grids. And if you know if you recently saw this morning that Putin is basically saying that uh, let's see what Europe does without any gas, electricity as they pull back. So these shutdown on the pipeline aren't necessarily uh, up uh, things that they have to fix. Uh, it's it's intentional, and we want to pay really close attention because the U.S. and U.K., France. Germany and Iran and Russia and China are all on the cusp of possibly signing this deal. And it looks like, as we've been following along closely, or as close as we can, that the Biden administration wants to sign this for whatever reason. Um, and they're going forward with it. Israel has said, at least their defense ministers have said, uh, we're going to do what's ever necessary, what's in the best interest of Israel. They continue to say that. And unfortunately, the government within Israel is in really a unknown state as they have the elections come up. Um, so it's do we deal with this or do we deal with you know campaigning elections and trying to figure out and form a government? So they're all over the place, and it's something to really pay attention to in the days ahead. And you also have um, Lapid come out, Prime Minister Yair Lapid come out and, and warn German leaders and, and U, UN leaders that – EU leaders more so – that if we get back into this deal, it – what he believes it will ultimately destabilize the Middle East and create a nuclear arms race that will endanger the entire world, which we're already seeing results of that uh, play out. And he's not wrong here, uh, but there's also the fact of is why isn't he coming over to the U.S. talking to this administration? Why hasn't he been talking to this administration? Why isn't our administration talking to them? And so there's a lot of issues involved around this issue. It's something we want to be very, very close to. Germany, France, and Britain have said that they don't they say they don't see how this deal could go forward. That doesn't mean that it won't. That doesn't mean something won't change. Russia won't force something. Iran won't try to force something. And so this is an issue we want to continue to pray on and intercede on that our administration, number one, we want to repent for the stance that this administration has to get back into this deal to begin with and pray, continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem as we've gone through scripturally before and intercede for the Biden administration and military leaders to have the fear of the Lord when making decisions on Israel and Iran, because this will not only affect, yes, Israel and the Middle East, but it will affect us here. What does this then open us up to? Um, if going into this, what does this mean spiritually? If we continue to give money to Iran, who then attacks um, Israel and other allied forces and Christians around the world and shut down um, the spreading of the gospel and 
that doesn't mean the gospel can't survive, but it's it's the reality of the continued overreach, this, the Prince of Persia into the rest of the world that would be gained by going back into this deal, uh, which is not something we uh, want to be funding, to say the least, because you and I, through our taxpayer dollars, would be funding um, those actions from Iran, unfortunately. Uh, now, domestically, this week, there is going to be the focus on the issue of funding the government at least until the end of the year because there hasn't been a budget that's been put forward that has been voted out um, of the Senate and House. And so what's most likely going to end up happening now is that there's going to be a continuing resolution. Basically, just everything on the books stays the same, continue to fund it as a need basis comes along. Um, but one interesting thing is remember back to the Inflation Reduction Act that Senator Joe Manchin made this little side deal to supposedly lower the standard of burden more so on local communities to be able to allow natural gas, in his eyes, his words, solar, wind, and really energy product to go forward without having to meet these extra high criteria um, to be able to get them off the ground. There's been pushback from quote-unquote uh, climate environmental groups and more so progressive groups uh, saying that, well, this just allows the poor minority communities to be taken advantage of, etc. And there's there's a whole host of stuff involved here. And the key issue is, is that Manchin signed the inflation or agreed to vote for the Inflation Reduction Act based upon this this deal solely. And you have it's upwards of 70 dem 72 Democratic representatives signing against this. I think another 49, quote-unquote, uh, ABC News talks about how um, 49 Democrats um, who are progressives specifically, not Democrat, progressives. That's very interesting that ABC News would really point this out. Oh, 59, excuse me, not 49, 59 House progressive have, are opposing this deal. Um, the report from the Daily Wire talks about 72 Democrats, but it's interesting that ABC specifically points out 59 progressives. Um, quite alarming that they would focus on that, but I think telling as well. Um that this is one of the this is a side deal that Manchin and Schumer made to get this pass forward. Schumer's going to stick with Joe Manchin because he made that promise. He knows how detrimental this would be to any future endeavors to make any deal to try to get something done. Um, but this goes back to and Bernie Sanders is the leader on this. This goes back to our our dream prophetic that we have to pray um, and be weary of any deals made via Bernie Sanders um, on this. And this seems like a good thing. I mean, either way you look at it, it's it's a disastrous move um, to allow more government regulations to be had environmentally. Um, based a lot of it's not based upon things that are clean per se. It's just restrictions to restrict. And and so we just want to pray for and see both for Republican and Democrat congressional and Senate leaders to stand against this agenda. And more so as they come to dealing with a budget, um, 
to see the fruits of this deal and understand that these side deals that are being made, and it was known at the, at the time that it would most likely not stand, unfortunately. But if we keep going down this road of continuing to spend money, this goes more back to the Inflation Reduction Act, supposedly the Inflation Reduction Act, that you can't keep spending money. And, and Joe Manchin himself, everything he said just got blown to smithereens of we can't continue to spend uh, if we're s- – the inflation is so high, cost of things are rising. Um, it's just a, a double-mindedness to say the least. Um, so I want to move forward ne- to the next story. President Biden, something to be aware of, is headed to Boston today to speak at John F. Kennedy Presidential Library Museum about what he is dis- deciding is a bold vision um, for another American moonshot, kind of piggybacking off John F. Kennedy's moonshot of sending a man to the moon and having him return, of going after of what he says, ending cancer as we know it. He said it is a division, it is a vision that will change people's lives for the better, improve their health, and decrease the burden of the disease. And what he's doing is basically creating a new alphabet soup program to be funded to do research on cancer. Um, while it seems noble, the huge problem here is that and this is the question with any government program is if this fails, can it be ended? Because the issue with, with these are the problems with these type of initiatives, um, another government programs that they're creating is, is if it's seen to not be successful, can it be allowed to fail? I think we know the question to that, and that's the issue. It's a noble cause. I'm not saying that it's not worthy of trying, but it's the question is, should the federal government be doing that? Um, with Without passing this through Congress, this is ex- all executive order stuff that he's trying to do, um, creating new branches of the government. So that's that's the alarming thing. Something we would just want to be aware of about as they're um, having a new director. Uh, it's called the ARPA-H um, Biomedical Initiative. Um, and they're going to basically do national biotechnology and biomanufacturing uh, in involving specifically the cancer, creating a cancer cabinet. Um, this is this is this is the direction this government is is going for. And the ARPAH stands for Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health. Um, so very very uh, th- that's a good point. Casting himself as healer as well as savior, and it's it's. This is where the Lord could show up um, of being uh, our healer in this situation. Now, to close out, we mentioned this story about the Yeshiva University petitioning its case before the Supreme Court uh, a couple weeks ago. And there last week there was a uh, petition granted from Justice Sonia Sotomayor, not a, a, a conservative, uh, someone who agrees with this case at all, actually would agree with the um, the students here involving the Shiva University who want an LGBTQ club. She basically granted that a request by Yeshiva to block the New York State court ruling 
um, forcing the, the university to allow these pride groups and funding for these pride groups to occur. She basically said, no, there's a pause on this, and we're going to decide the total outcome of this issue at a later date. And the reason she made this ruling in brief order was because there was a deadline of today, the 12th, uh, for funds to be allocated to different uh, university organizations on campus. And so this is showing that, hey, in reality, um, it, this is a, a minor victory and a major battle here uh, that will need to be played out and something we want to continue to pray on and be, be focused on because this has ramifications for not just religious universities and, and specifically this Jewish religious university, um, but churches as well. Could churches then be forced to do things against their First Amendment rights uh, in certain cases? And so, again, from Justice Sonia Sotomayor, she ruled properly um, on this. It's a small step. It's still yet to be determined whether she will hear this case alone as she has the right to or whether she'll open up the entire court to be able to hear it and because it's from new york she's over that district uh, of the regions within the supreme court that the cases that she hears so she will be the one to decide that i mean from this is leaning nobody can really tell whether she'll allow the other justices to hear the rest of it or whether she'll just decide on herself based upon the merits of the case and Possibly, I think the Shiva University is asking that the full court hear it, uh, which would be a good thing because this is a huge case of religious liberties. And we saw with what happened during COVID, where when issues around religious liberty went to the Supreme Court, uh, the First Amendment was upheld um, with John MacArthur's church and, and other churches out in California due to the tyrannical government overreach. And this one is more of uh, being forced, similar to the cases with the Kate cake baker for the gay weddings the photographer florist etc along those lines where it's completely unfounded um and they the, the students are trying to say well you're not a religious organization and all the um degrees you hand out are secular when they hand out um the equivalent of a ministerial degree uh, uh, <laughs> being the fact that it is it is a um jewish and, and a religious school they have a religious school and then they have your regular secular portion um so there is a mix of both there so we just want to continue to pray for this golden court case um involving the first amendment yeshiva university uh and praying that justice sotomayor allows the rest of the course court to hear it and that they rule in accordance with the founding principles of the first amendment uh, so wanted to keep it short that the vote on the continuing resolution for the budget for the rest of this year and the marriage equality act will be two huge things to pay attention to this week there will be some economic indicators coming out um later this week and more so next week but those will be those two votes right there the marriage equality act and the push to fund the government for the rest of the year will be two huge things to fall on as to fall this week and, and remember, Joe Manchin made this deal on the Inflation Reduction Act for the, on this sole purpose to lower the standard of burden for – and it seems like a good deal, but the question even at the time was, does this have legitimacy to pass? And both people on the right and left were like, not really because Schumer doesn't have the authority and even the president doesn't have the authority to agree to this. So 
Um, just very interesting to see as, as these deals are being made uh, and that don't have full proof. But um, again, continue to pray for Iran deal to hopefully not go forward in this administration, not go forward with that, and then the Golden Court case on the Shiva University. So I'll close with that. I um, wanted to keep it somewhat like the, today as we, we enter into another week and, and praying for the Office of the President. So thank you all, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.